Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rose irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market this place is special get asked all the time where's your favorite place to take college game day. And I say every time, Eugene, Oregon. This is the best crowd. Honestly, it's 6 in the morning here. Yeah, It's covered. It's raining. They don't care. These fans right here, pound for pound, are as good as any college football fans in the country. This program is staged to compete and to win championships. Oregon is going to be in the championship game. When we watch this film, does our effort beat theirs? Here's Bo Nix. Gunzet! Touchdown, Oregon! Been making deposits. Time to cash the checks. Sound at Austin, which is deafening for an Oregon 15-point win. Chip Kelly still does not have a win against his former school. Man, it feels great to be a duck. Welcome to the QB11 Show, presented by Scoop Duck, with Doug, Andrew, and J-Hop. Here are the guys with the latest scoop. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the QB11 Show, presented by Scoop Duck. I'm Doug Scott, and I am here tonight all by myself. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Tennessee um, allegations against Tennessee from the NCAA that are pending or coming up or or have been released this week in the news around um, NIL and impermissible inducement um, through NIL and through their collective partner, which is Spire, and kind of how there's other there's other cases that are going on with one recently with Florida State, one with Florida. With in regards to Jane Rashada, this one obviously with Tennessee is in regards to Nico Amavela. Butchered that name, apologies. And there's probably other ones that are in the pipeline, and that could include many schools, maybe in, even including Oregon, um, are, are regarding NIL. And I want to talk a little bit about what all this means, what I think is going to happen, where it could go in the future. And I uh, just want to touch on that a little bit for you all tonight. So, you know, first of all, as I said, the Tennessee, it was released today by the New York Times. I think what happened is either Tennessee or the NCA released to the New York Times, uh, I think it was Monday, that Tennessee was under investigation for impermissible inducements um, during the re- recruitment of, wasn't named, but obviously Nico was the player in question, if you all recall back from a, a couple of cycles ago. Um that whole story and how his recruitment went, right? And so the allegations are essentially that 
he was receiving promises or contracts or payments or, or future payments around NIL in order to come and enroll and, and sign with Tennessee. And of course, the reality is, is NIL in theory was supposed to be about, well, you can monetize your name, image, and likeness and likeness after you enroll at a school and achieve some level of fame. And then, you know, you want to go sell whatever product or advertise for whatever company or, or do whatever in royalty or, um, uh, you know, in, endorsement deal for whatever. Great. No problem. The reality is, as we all know, and as many of us predicted would would immediately happen and did, is that it's it's pay for play. It's legalized pay for play, right? These players are going and getting offers from various schools that they're interested in, and in some cases selecting the best offer, in some cases selecting a good enough offer that also happens to be at a school that has other things that they like about that school or coach or program or whatever, right? So the reality is, is everyone is doing this. Everyone who's playing the game is at a high level is doing this, right? Like there's no scenario where high level recruits are going to a school and, and the school is saying, well, we can't tell you what you'll make in NIL once you get here. Uh, you'll have to wait until you get here. No, that's not happening. It's not happening anywhere. Like Tennessee's doing this. Everybody's doing this. Now, the problem comes into play is they're not really doing it right. It's all done through the collectives. So I think Tennessee's argument is that, Hey, we didn't do anything. None of our staff did this. We didn't do anything wrong. And I think Tennessee is, you know, playing a very legal technical argument that, that probably will prevail for reasons we'll get to in a court of law. Um, but also I think they've highlighted the fact that the NCAA never has made, has still to this day, not, not, enacted nil rules if you recall the way nil started was through various state legislators legislatures passing nil rules and laws in their various states and the nca just kind of threw up their hands and said well there's nothing we can do about it so we'll we'll throw out some guidelines on how uh schools are allowed to behave in this new space now those guidelines have been modified multiple times over the course of time and i believe when when nico's entered into his contract with Spire Sports, there wasn't the first set of guidelines hadn't even been released at all yet. Uh, so the NCA's argument is, well, it doesn't matter uh, inducements to, for any perspective, uh, you know, high school athlete or transfer has always been illegal, is still illegal or not illegal, but against NCAA rules, right? So you can't promise somebody some monetary benefit to come to your school. And so the NCA is still holding this stance that that is not allowed and, and should be penalized. And, and some of the schools in the NCAA want to see that penalized. Uh, the reality is the top 40, 50, 60 football schools, they're all, they're all doing that because you have to, because everybody's doing that. And that's the way all of these recruits are, are getting, uh, making their commitments and getting signed and figuring out where they're going to go, whether they're out of the portal or out of, the, out of high school. So by the letter of the NCAA system, did Tennessee break the rules? Yes, of course they did. And so did Miami and so did Florida and Florida State and Oregon and Texas and Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia and on and on and on and every, in Washington and USC and every school uh, that's competing at any kind of level in this sport is breaking these rules, obviously. Um, the problem is the rules are, are in direct conflict with various state laws. And common sense uh, as well. So 
I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm less interested in talking about the Tennessee case specifically and where that might go, but more interested in talking about what they have chosen to do differently than what Florida state did recently. Right. So if you recall, Florida state had some allegations against them where they're one of their coaches or somebody drove a potential recruit to a meeting with their collective, which was considered, you know, against NCO. It's absurd. It's, it's an absurd, like this guy, this guy drove the recruit to go meet with the collective. And now that's a, that's a violation, right? I mean, come on. So they said, okay, fine. We'll agree to the penalty and our coach will, you know, our assistant coach will miss a couple of games and whatnot or whatever. Um, Florida's, Florida, Florida's case with Rashada, I believe is still pending and Tennessee, Tennessee chose to take a very different stance. Um, and I think this is going to actually have then uh, an effect on not just Tennessee, but everyone and the NCA in general. So basically what Tennessee did, first of all, is their university came out and said, you know, how can you punish us for rules that weren't even in place at the time that this supposedly happened? How can you punish us for something no one on our employment did that, you know, so we don't have control over what people do. The collective came out and said, hey, this person was uh, assigned by California law. We're allowed to sign high school athletes to sports marketing agreements. And we did. And then we flew our client to Tennessee to to meet with us and set up various endorsement deals. So their argument is like everything we did is by the book and has nothing to do with with Tennessee football. You know, wink, wink, nod, nod. Of course it doesn't. Um, <laughs> um, but 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 legally, they're probably correct. Right. That they did nothing wrong or in violation, you know, of maybe it's in violation of NCA rules, but those rule NCA rules are in violation of state and potentially federal law as well. And then um Tennessee's chancellor came out and said, Hey, I tried to meet with you, NCAA. I requested a meeting with you months ago with our AD to talk about the unworkable situation we are all in right now where the guidelines keep changing. Nobody knows what the rules are. They aren't really rules or just guidelines and you change them all the time and nobody knows what the landscape is and they conflict with state law and we need to figure this out and I want to meet and talk about it. And the NCA president refused to meet with them. And so she's, she called that out um, rightfully so. And then the next day, the attorney general of the state of Tennessee, along with the state of Virginia, has filed a lawsuit against the NCAA, uh, basically saying your rules are a violation of the Sherman Antitrust Act. Uh, and what that means, basically, is you have these rules that base that are restricting players from monetizing their themselves, right, to their full potential, right? So if you say... And and what they're asking for is basically to throw out all NCA NIL guidelines, right? Like inducement should be totally allowed, right? If if because this player ha should have the rights um under the Sherman Antitrust Act to go and sell his services to the highest bidder or the bidder of his choosing. And in order to do that, you have to actually have conversations with the bidders about uh, the you know, the the amount they're willing to pay for his services. And this notion that 
no one's talking about or can talk about how much they're going to get paid in NIL when they go to said school is just absurd because A, it's not happening, and B, it's not it, it, the I think the the lawyers like drew this comparison like as a coach, you are interviewing for jobs at schools, but you're not allowed to talk about what your compensation will be until you agree to take the job, and then they'll tell you. Like that's absurd. It, it it doesn't work that way anywhere in any other industry, and it's absurd from a legal standpoint and an antitrust land standpoint. The argument the the argument is is that it's absurd to say players can't have those conversations and can't know and can't compare their different offers with you know from the various schools and collectives and decide based on knowing all of those things decide where they're willing to go. And so their argument is it, it will be in a court saying. Hey, by by the NCAA saying this, you'll be ineligible, or schools will get penalized for doing this. That is, that is a violation of the Antitrust Act because it's artificially depressing the potential earnings of these various athletes. And it follows the same argument they used a couple months ago in the transfer portal one-time transfer portal rules that got that got thrown out in court. Um, and it's the same argument they've used before. And 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 quite frankly, it's pretty compelling because. Without, uh, without employing players directly and without creating collective bargaining, you you can't you can't essentially put rules in place that suppress someone's earnings without a collective bargaining situation, right? So you have a group of, that's where you get a union and you get a group of players that all come together and say, okay, for for the the purpose of the sport and creating rules that create a level playing field we will agree to a salary cap or a draft or portal windows or trade, you know, like the the players are essentially agreeing to the set of restrictions, but they get something back in, in exchange, right? They get minimum salaries, they get guaranteed uh, roster spots, they get, you know, guaranteed money, right? All of the things that they get in, in any kind of, you know, whether you're talking about the NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, whatever, like right? all of those things are collectively bargained. So it's a trade-off. And that's the only way that the various leagues are able to put restrictions on when you can move teams, when you can, which teams you can go to, when, at what point in the calendar year are you allowed to have conversations about free agency? Uh, what's your maximum salary? What's your minimum salary, right? The teams can only put, and the leagues can only put those restrictions in place because there's a collective bargaining agreement between the players and the teams. Now, the NCAA doesn't have any of that. The NCAA just wants to say, you can't. Talk about money. You can't make money until you get to a school. You already decide. You know where you want to go, and then they'll figure out what they're going to pay you. Well, that's absurd. It's absurd. It's absurd. <laughs> that's all I can say about that. And so, very likely, the Tennessee and Virginia attorneys generals will be joined by other states, and and very likely they will they will win this case. Because uh, every case in this, that has come into a federal court that has that has shown the NCAA to be restricting player movement, restricting player earnings, gets thrown out like a hot potato because it's obviously a violation of the Antitrust Act. And why the NCAA continues to try to fight this unwinnable fight is inexplicable, because the reality is is it's not winnable. And very likely, we could be sitting here a week from now because the, the, the lawyers have requested a temporary restraining order that throws out all NIL 
uh, all NAL guardrails, if you will, around when and who is allowed to discuss compensation with, with prospective athletes, whether they be high school athletes or transfer portals, very, very likely that could be thrown out in a week. And we, and just like the transfer portal rules will be thrown out. Now it'll, it'll last longer in court than that, but a TRO temporary restraining order could be granted next week on this. So what happens if that happens? And there's all of a sudden no NIL rules. Honestly, nothing. Because <laughs> nobody's following these rules now. It's because they're just, they're unenforceable. They're absurd on their face. And of course, everyone's talking about money when they go on these recruiting trips and they talk about where they're going to commit. So the reality is, is not that much would actually change. It would just be you wouldn't have to lie about it or hide it or pretend, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, that nobody's talking about this stuff when we all know they are, right? So it could, could lead to some of this information about, you know, becoming more out in the open of what people are getting paid or what or what their offers are, right? Because now you don't have to cover up and lie about that it's not actually happening. Um, ultimately, so that won't change anything in the current landscape in the short term. The reality is, is, is we can, all these NCA rules continue to get knocked down and all of this is heading towards some sort of employment status. How we get there is the question. When we get there is the question, right? It could come a number of ways. Um, there's, you know, the, the national labor relations board case in California could determine that athletes are employees. There's also a, a couple of other lawsuits that could determine it. Um, it could come about multiple ways, but the reality is it's, it's going to happen. It There's really no way around it. And at some point, the NCAA could decide, why don't we just quit fighting against this thing that is an inevitability? And why don't we actually figure out a plan to transition from our current legacy state that is broken and, and will never come back to some future state where at least some athletes and some sports are employees and how would that look like? Or maybe it's done by conferences. Maybe like, does it make sense for football to be part of the college NCA system and, and other sports with alongside other sports? And also there's a thousand NCA schools and from tiny little podunk things to, to major college football programs. And, and, does it make sense to have the same rules governing all of those? No, of course it doesn't. So do you create some future subdivision inside division one for these major programs that want to want to go down this road and have athletes as employees? Sure. Does do you actually even need the NCA? Maybe not. Maybe the big 10 and the SEC or a certain number of programs across the, you know, major power four, if you will, Maybe they split off and decide to form their own rules and, and treat athletes as employees. And, and maybe um, they go down that path. But it, it is happening and it will happen. And it will happen sooner than I think we all think. And in the meantime, I, I think the NCAA is just going to continue to lose in court. I think pay for play is here to stay. Um, and in an unregulated free-for-all environment that we're in right now for a while until they figure out how do we, if we want rules, if we want restrictions, if we want to get our calendar in order around when people can transfer and how long are they beholden to a school for, you have to make them employees and you have to bargain with them. And then, you know what? You could have contract lakes, right? You'd sign a player to a contract and you'd say, okay, we're going to sign. And maybe that's part of the recruiting pitch, right? Maybe. School A says, 
we really like you. We're willing to give you a three-year guaranteed contract. And school B may say, you know what? I only want to give you a one-year contract. And so maybe that becomes part of the recruiting pitch. Who's willing to to take a longer gamble on a player, right? And so a player can decide, okay, I want the comfort and safety and security of a two or three or four-year contract with school A, even though the amount may be less. Or I'm going to gamble on myself. I'm going to take a one-year deal somewhere else and, and prove myself, and then I'll be a free agent uh, after my freshman year of college, and, and then I can really go and and – you know, make more money at my next stop, right? But all of that can only happen if you make the athletes employees and you have a collective bargaining agreement that governs all of that. So we'll see how long it takes to get there, which path ends up driving us there. But really, that's the only way we're ever going to get back to. I know there's a lot of people who want to put the genie back in the bottle and are dismayed about Oh, now everybody could transfer as many times as they want. Oh, NIL is ruining anything. There, everyone's going to the highest bidder. Yep. Well, that's that's where we're at. Like that's the reality. And that genie's not going back in the bottle. There's no scenario where football in college is going to return to some pastime of 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 you know having restrictions on player movement and player earnings. That will not happen. That is not going to happen. <laughs> Right, it's just not in 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 an amateur model. It will never happen. The only way you get restrictions on player movement and restrictions on player earnings and any kind of parity or level playing field or caps or whatever you want to call it, the only way that happens is through collective bargaining, which means athletes are employees, which means all of that. That's the only way you will ever get any kind of guardrails, any kind of rules any kind of caps that people are looking for. So we'll see how long it takes to get there. Maybe it'll be three years. Maybe it'll be 10 years. Uh, And maybe in in the meantime, college football will continue to live in this very messy state that it's currently in. There's only, there's very little that the powers that be can do around this. Um, There's, there's a few things they could do on the calendar. Not much. They can't, you know, there's a few things they could do on the calendar, but you know, we'll see where that goes. And the NCAA, I think has to they're going to have to make a pivot at some point to quit trying to like spit into the wind against you know it's like they're they're Sisyphus trying to roll the boulder up the hill like that boulder is crashing down on you uh and I'm sorry for those who want to return to the yonder days of 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 yore when you know athletes were were students and amateurs and they were locked in for four years and they couldn't go anywhere and they were exploited and they couldn't make any money. That's gone. That's over. Say goodbye. Cause it ain't ever coming back. And the more these lawsuits get filed, the less power the NCA has, the less guidelines and guardrails will exist until they finally wake up and get out of their own way and be part of the solution instead of part of the problem. Okay, let's move on. A uh, couple more, just a couple notes. Like this weekend, and I know Justin and, and QB talked about this a little bit on our last episode, and we'll be back, all three of us, on Monday to talk about this again. But this weekend is the last uh, visit weekend again before the February dead period kicks into place and basically lasts the entire month and into maybe into early mid-March. I don't have the calendar in front of me. So it's, it, it, as Oregon had a huge visit weekend last weekend, as we know, and we talked about, they have another huge, maybe even bigger visit weekend this weekend. And it's pretty exciting to see all the talent that's come into Oregon. And it's crazy to say, like, 
you know, if, if, Cat, if Catlin Bear ends up committing to Oregon, like the Ducks are going to have like the number three overall class in the country this year, which is insane to say. I never would have thought even six months ago that I'd be uttering that possibility, but here we are. But 2025 class could be even better. And that's crazy to say, or just as good, right? Like, um, Dan and this machine are just operating at such an incredibly high level right now. And in, in the way they're running this program, it's like they're kicking into gear in year three and they're humming on all cylinders and they are, they are unbelievable. So who, you know, who's coming in this weekend? Well, you know, wide receiver commit Dallas Wilson. This guy's a top, top hundred near five-star commit out of Tampa committed to the ducks kind of out of the blue. Gosh, last summer, maybe last spring, last summer, everybody's after this kid. Like he, he's a difference maker. He's a dude at wide receiver. Um, and he's going to be someone that the ducks are going to have to continue to hold on to, but you got, you sure have to like their chances, you know, with Dan and junior and will, and everybody's sticking together and the commitment and the love they're showing to him. And he's making another trip out from Tampa to Oregon this weekend where he's committed. Um, so yeah, big, big get to get him back on campus as many times as possible. Hopefully get him back for the spring game, kind of really lock everything in and then uh, go from there. Also at wide receiver, another guy that's been out to Oregon before. I know the ducks are really, really high on him. I mean, they could fill out their wide receiver class by spring at the rate they're going. Right. Um, we talked a little bit about uh, Cooper Perry, I think, who was out last weekend, right, and where he's at. They obviously have Adrian Wilson committed as well as Dallas Wilson. And then Isaiah Mosey out of Missouri, another top 100 receiver. Ducks are really high on him. They've been recruiting him hard and heavy for well over a year. He's coming out again this weekend as well. Uh, moving over to, to modern day down in California, you know, where Oregon landed a couple guys out of there last year. Um, big, big one, five-star edge, Nasir Wyatt. He's been huge. Um, kind of really vocal in his love for the Ducks for quite a while now, right? Obviously, he is, is a national recruit. Everyone's going to be pursuing him. I'm not saying he's going to commit anytime soon, right? But he loves Oregon, and, and Oregon was able to get him to cancel his trip to Florida this weekend and come to Oregon instead. So he'll be coming up, coming up the five to Oregon. I'm sure he'll be back again for spring game or another time like that this summer. So another another good get to get him to come back up and visit this weekend along with running back out of modern day jordan davidson top 100 kid you know another great running back oregon didn't wasn't able to land nate frazier last year out of modern day in that cycle running back this kid is is just as good if not better uh and and obviously he's real high on the ducks and i know the ducks are really high on him as well a couple more tight ends are in town deshaun brame top 100 guy out of kansas uh this is a guy that could be could be you know an early commit um for Oregon I know they're looking for him I know Justin's talked about that on the site so he's a guy that that could get in the in the flock if you will sooner rather than later and then also tight end Nate Roberts out of Oklahoma another big big tight end is a really good tight end class and Oregon is in and we've talked about this Oregon's in on three or four top tight ends uh, they could if they could get Nate Roberts again out of out of Oklahoma they get him to sh to to pull the trigger and Brame to pull the trigger. Man, what a what a great haul that would be for for Drew Maringer and Dan and company right there on the offense. And that would be um, a really nice haul on top of uh, the couple of couple of guys that got in the last cycle as well. And then uh, on the defensive backfield side, five star safety DJ Pickett out of Tampa as well. This guy is a stud. 
I mean, it's a top 50 player in the country, top 30 player in the country. Um, you know, safety is obviously a position we've been talking about being need. I think oriented really well in this class, but we've talked about Aaron Flowers over and over and over again. Uh, also, I think Kingston Lopa is another guy that fits a, fix a body type that a uh, you know, profile that they're looking for. could be a player down the road as well, but it's a position like every position you have to recruit every year. So DJ Pickett will be in town and then Trey McNutt, another top rated defensive back. He's an, listed as an athlete. I think he's a safety. I'll have to follow up with QB on that one, but he's out of Cleveland, Ohio. We're getting this kid to come from Ohio right there in the Buckeyes backyard to come out and visit us here on the last visit weekend of this cycle. So Trey McNutt, uh, another big get to get him back on campus here as well this weekend. And there's other names as well. Those are the, those are the headliners, the big stars. There's some highly rated 2026 kids, quarterback, uh, some other offensive tackle out of Washington state and some others that are also going to be on campus Some local kids as well. And I know one of the two Yotis, Younger, younger two Eddie brothers will be here as well as as uh, many others. So, big, big weekend. Justin will be covering that, I'm sure, over on Scoop Deck. And then, as I mentioned, after the weekend, QB and Justin and I will uh, will talk all about it on the next episode. So, that's it for tonight. Thank you all for listening. Hope you enjoyed the, the little breakdown into all the legal shenanigans around NIL and the NCAA and Tennessee and everything else. And uh, you know, drop us a comment, drop us a review, follow me at Douglas TS on Twitter at QB 11 SD on Twitter, and then follow the show at QB 11 show as well on Twitter. We're doing some more fun stuff over there. I put out a poll yesterday. I think we're going to another one coming up here soon. We'll do some other fun stuff lately. So check all that out. And again, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you on Monday.